what we've decided we're going to start talking about over the next probably six or seven weeks is this whole idea of spiritual disciplines. Now, I don't know whether you've grown up in church or whether church is a fairly new concept to you. Um, but in a way, spiritual disciplines are stuff like reading the Bible, praying, uh, attending church on a Sunday, all this kind of stuff. In a way, I suppose what we're going to look at is what is the point behind some of these things that we're expected to do as Christians? So today, rather than start with part one and start looking at one of those particular things, I suppose I want to take a step back and say what we're really talking about is if we choose to be people who are spiritually disciplined and do these kind of things, the main criteria for that is the fact that we are pursuing growth. We are prepared to develop and grow as individuals. Uh, That's kind of like um, the mentality behind that whole thing that that we would only choose to be disciplined spiritually if we um, if we have a desire to grow and develop and change so what I want to talk to us about today um, is this whole idea of your inner story so this next series we do will be basically focusing on your inner story and the whole concept will be how can we begin to change and develop our own inner story And if you don't know what an inner story is, this is what we'll explain today. Um, Our lives generally, typically revolve around two stories. Okay, the first is the main story of our lives, the things that happen that happen to you on a regular basis, the things that are just the events of your life. So maybe it's it's focused around things like what time the kids woke up. Um, what the experience was like getting out of the house this morning, Um, your journey here today, was it fraught with danger and traffic or was it an absolute breeze? The coffee that you picked up on the way maybe, Uh, what you got up to yesterday, your thoughts on the football last night, your plans for bank holiday, all the normal things in life that you talk about and navigate the way you do life, that is the main story. People know about it, Uh, it's public and it's visible. So that's just who you are. It's, it's what you do. It's the things that you do. It's how your life works. But the second story that, um, that our life revolves around is our inner story. And the inner story, I suppose, is, is, is the stuff that goes on inside your head. Those thoughts and feelings. Um, we often describe it as your inner monologue. And my, my theory on life over the last few years has been... If our inner monologue was made audible, we would all be entirely screwed. Because if people knew what we were really thinking, what was really going on in our heads, we wouldn't be allowed to do most <laughs> of what we... Uh, we'd probably all lose our jobs and uh, all these kind of things. Uh, maybe it's just me and I'm really bad and I've just confessed. That <laughs> um, but our inner monologues, it, it's, it's a different dialogue, isn't it? It's a different thing that goes on in our lives. Um, And sometimes our our inner story is often uh, shaped by our experience, by maybe your struggles, maybe it's uh, anxiety and insecurity. These are the kind of things that begin to shape the inner story. Um, And what that inner story begins to be is defined by the things that have shaped us. It's often stuff that is unseen. Sometimes our inner story is even unrecognisable to us. And it might even be that our inner story is completely untold. Um, And I suppose, in essence, the inner story is what makes us the way we are. 
So our main life story is the things that everyone sees, but really how we function in that stuff is really defined by our inner story. There's a character in the Bible called um, Saul of Tarsus. We know him more as, as the Apostle Paul, who goes and does this amazing stuff with, um, with um, kind of planting churches and supporting churches. He, he's written um, loads of books within the New Testament, letters to churches, and we can hold him aloft as this uh, real inspiration within the Bible. But, but before he was called Paul, he was called Saul, and he was known as Saul of Tarsus. And the Bible describes him as a pretty harsh and, and quite brutal character. Um, he'd grown up um, as an extremely conservative Jew and believed that the only way to behave was to abide strictly to Jewish law. Anyone claiming to know God and not living by the law should be held captive and punished and often killed for not doing what they should do. And that's what he did. So his belief and his way of functioning, his inner story was completely uh, navigated towards his dedication to bringing those people to justice. So when you first meet Saul in the Bible, he's not a nice or positive character or someone that you particularly want to uh, want to come across. Um, so, so his inner story really did influence who he was. It was his upbringing. It was his foundation that that made him the person that he was. And I suppose the key question for us today is what's your inner story? How does that impact the way you view and function in the world that we live in? What is it that, that makes you who you are as you sit here today? So your inner story tells you who you are. That inner voice, I don't know whether it happens to you regularly, but sometimes someone could say something really positive to you, but your inner monologue, your inner story resets that, filters it to make sense to what you feel and think about yourself. Um, so your inner story tells you who you are and the way we live is a result of that inner story, how we function in life. And the reality is it controls your life but also your inner story has the ability to transform your life, has the ability to completely change it. And when we look back at the character of Saul, there's this amazing transformation of him as an individual. Saul has this life-changing experience on the road to Damascus, where an encounter with God changes everything. He hears the voice of Jesus. He's on his way to go and destroy and kill Christians because they're not following the original law that he believes they really need to abide by. So his purpose is to go and destroy them. But on his journey there, he has this encounter um, where he's blinded by a light um, and he hears the voice of Jesus who challenges his behaviour and he's commanded to change in that moment. He's left blind for three days, but is totally transformed by the experience. Um, and it's such a transformation that he renavigates his entire life towards Jesus so the very thing that he was going to go and destroy people for he becomes the greatest ambassador for because something happened on that road that shifted his focus and changed his inner story and Saul's inner story was shaped originally by his obsession with the law it impacted everything that he did the way he spoke his attitude the way he treated people his actions everything was was dictated and shaped by his inner story but his transformation challenged and changed his inner story and completely changed who he was. But change is a funny thing, isn't it? 
And change is not an easy thing to go through. And I almost think sometimes as Brits, we can sometimes seem to be hardwired to resist change. Um, we don't like the concept of it. Um, Han is in here, so I can completely throw her under the bus. If there's a new operating system on her phone, she'll kind of stick with the old one for a good five years uh, and then wonder why it doesn't work properly anymore. Um, because she doesn't like the change in icons or the change in layout or the new features because she just prefers it to be the way that she needs it to be. Um, and um, sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We just think, actually, it'd just be easier if things just stayed the way they were uh, and that we didn't change. And I suppose that's the challenge. When we look at this stuff, Saul had no choice on the road to Damascus about whether he would have this encounter with God or not. It happened in this, this intense moment where he was blinded by this light. And he, he, being blind for three days, he couldn't ignore this encounter. That was it. <laughs> this is his reality. But for us, we're not necessarily in this weekly kind of Damascus Road experience. We have this choice of how are we going to respond um, to God? And, and are we going to be people who allow our inner story to just carry on as it's always done? Or be people who are prepared to change it? We can sometimes opt for the easiest or most comfortable option. Maybe just to keep the peace. Or maybe we don't have the energy to go through change. Because it's unsettling, isn't it? The idea that we go through change, that we force ourselves through a change, can be one of the most unsettling things. And, and the choice between do I want to uh, unsettle things and, and change something, um, or do I just stay the way it was, actually it just feels like it would just be easier. But the problem is sometimes when we don't do that, we just end up in this slight phase of just rotting and festering because... There's a potential of that things could be different and we just choose to not push ourselves forward. Richard Rohr um, wrote this quote. A common temptation is to use belonging to a group and practicing its rituals as a substitute for encounters with the divine. Now think about that. I don't know how your life has worked. I've, I've grown up in it. I grew up in church. I don't think there's ever been a point where I've not been a Christian, if I'm honest. I know that's probably against all sorts of theological opinions. But it was just always my life. So that was just me. But, but actually, when I really look at it, maybe I was just very much part of a group, of a community. Um, we, we can easily slip into, into that kind of stuff. We go to church. We do that as a thing. We have a Bible. I join in with the songs when we sing them. I even know the songs. I've got Christian friends. So when I look at myself, I'm a Christian. That's sometimes how it works. When we reread that quote, a common temptation is to use belonging to a group and practicing its rituals as a substitute for encounters with the divine. And I think the reality is, it's only an encounter with the divine that changes our inner story. It's only those moments where we get a glimpse of who he is that we begin to have the core of who we are really challenged. Because God loves us that much that he's not prepared just to leave it as it is with the things that really could be better or could be changed or could be challenged. But I don't know about you, when I look at my life, I've, I've spent so many years, whether it was my teenage years or my childhood, whatever it is, just being part of the rituals. Because it's just, it's, 
it just is who I am. That's it. This is just it. And sometimes without the encounter. And that's, I suppose, sometimes a little bit disturbing. And the question for us, I suppose, is do you create space to encounter the divine? In your life, do you do that? We can easily slip into the habit of just going through the motions, of just turning up, um, just going through the rituals. Um, But then when we do that, I don't know about you, sometimes we can just go through that, but then be distracted by various things. Maybe we've got loads of stuff going on in our lives and we might be sat in a church service or we might be sat trying to read our Bible, whatever it might be. Um, And sometimes the, the troubles of the world completely invade that moment, don't they? Um, and they overtake and, and it just becomes something that becomes a distraction. Um, you may end up kind of being sat in a church service and quickly flicking through your emails and going, oh, um, I forgot to do that. And then replying to a few emails whilst you're doing it. You might be, um, church might be going on a bit long. So you might start checking the early football scores, seeing, uh, seeing what's going on. Or you might just get into the habit of while you're meant to be in this place where you're focused on Jesus that you're just scrolling through your news feed to see if there's anything else that's a little bit more engaging than what you're currently sat in. And the great thing about doing something small like a living room is it's really obvious when someone's on their phone. Um, So that's why we don't want to grow, because uh, (laughs) it's the best way of stopping people um, just scrolling through Facebook. But the reality is so many things, whether it's when we're in a church service or whether it's when we're trying to have a bit of quality time with God, so many things come in and become distractions to what we really need. Uh, I, I was listening to a talk the other day and, and a lot of this stuff that, that I'm covering today is, is from a talk that I heard uh, on a podcast, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and one of the, this guy was talking about it saying, sometimes even in worship, you can find that we're just singing songs and that all we're doing is singing songs. That in that moment, we're not actually doing what we really need, which is to worship God and really fix our eyes on him. We're just singing the words. So even in those kind of rituals and those kind of practices, we can sometimes find that we go through the motions, but we miss the connection. And sometimes it's those distractions. It's it's the other things that go on in our lives or, or the other things we're thinking about that distract us from what we really need, an encounter with God. Because that's the thing that begins to change stuff. And I suppose the key thing where we start with all of this stuff is being able to be people who can identify the key, uh, I suppose the key elements of your inner story. What makes up your inner story? And once you understand those key factors that influence who we are, we can begin to recognise the impact that it has on your life. So I'm going to go through a few imaginary scenarios. These aren't, this isn't my confession times. You, I need to qualify because I'm going to read this stuff and you're going to be like, man, this guy's got some serious hang-ups. But I want, I want to read through some examples that might resonate with us or might just help you identify um, what your inner story is. And the key statement is this. I'm the sort of person who dot 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 and that means i dot 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 so for example i'm the sort of person who was hurt in the past i've been rejected i was asked to leave things and that means 
as a result of that, that I'm defensive. I find it hard to trust that sometimes with people I can be overly negative and find it hard to accept other people. That's one example. It might not be all of those things, but you, you see where we're going. You might look at your life and say, I grew up in a home that had very little money. And that means that I struggled to be generous, that I fear the idea of running out of money, so feel that we need to be overly cautious to avoid that ever happening again. You can see how this happens, can't you? That what we experience and, and what goes on in our lives begins to shape the way we act, the way we respond. Maybe you look at your life and say, I grew up in a family where no one ever spoke about their feelings. And now, as a result of that, I struggle to share my feelings and that holds me back in relationships. All of these different things will resonate with different people, but it's all unique to each and every one of us. Your inner story is only unique to you because it's what you've been through and it's what's made you who you are today. And I think when we're really honest and really real about this stuff, we begin to see some of the things that have, have formed our identity and shape who we are today. And I suppose there's hope in this, in the fact that when we look at Paul's story, there's an opportunity for that uh, scenario and those things to change. So take a moment, I'm going to give us 60 seconds, I know it's quite quick, but hopefully you've been thinking about it as we go. I'm going to give us 60 seconds of a bit of peace and quiet for us each to think, and no one's going to have to share anything, don't worry, we're not going to go around the room. Um, but how has your inner story shaped you? So just take a moment, just to have a think about your scenario. So whatever it is that you identify as your inner story, the things that have shaped you, the key to change is those regular encounters with God. And the reason it's the key to change is that God wants connection. What he requires from each of us is that connection. He wants a relationship. And the brilliant news is, and this is why there's hope, is that he's ready and willing to invest into that connection with you. There's a, a great story in the Old Testament where the Israelites uh, are on their, their journey to the promised land. Uh, but they're in the wilderness, so they've got nothing. They're stuck um, and they are 100% reliant on God providing. And there's this moment um, in Exodus um, chapter 16, verses 11 to 21. And it says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you want. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. The evening, uh, that evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. And the next morning, the area around the camp was wet with dew. When the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground. The Israelites were puzzled when they saw it. What is it? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. And Moses told them, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. 
These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. Then Moses said to them, Do not keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. After this, the people gathered the food morning by morning, each family according to its need. And as the sun became hot, the flakes they had not picked up melted and disappeared. So that, to me, is an amazing story of God's provision. And there was, there was rules, there was ways of it working. I, I love the fact that when they tried to hoard it, it rotted and turned into maggots. There's this clever bit later on where they're not allowed to go and pick it up on the Sabbath. So God makes it last for two days. <laughs> Whereas if they did it, if they tried to pick up too much and store stuff for the next day, it just wouldn't last. But to me, it's an amazing thing. The reason it, it turned rotten and the maggots came and, and the smell was awful is because they weren't trusting that God would do it again the next day. And that's the reality for each of us. That when we think about our inner story, we think about our lives and the possibility to change, we've got to accept that an encounter with God is the thing that can change everything. And just as the manna fell every single day, the message of that story that we can take away today is that the principle is exactly the same for us. God will provide for us. But the only way we can get that provision is by connection and encounter with the divine on a regular basis. And I don't know about you, but I have been through whole spells in my life where I've attempted to hoard the manna from one experience and try and make that sustain me for a long, long time. And if we're brutally honest, if we were to sit in the room now and say, when was the last time I encountered the divine? I encountered God. Man, I bet some of us would be racking our brains thinking, well, I remember going to a really good event when I was 18. Um, or I remember responding to a call uh, at this point, And it was a really pivotal moment in my life. That's great. That's brilliant. But how, how long do we try and peak off that experience and that be the thing that sustains us moving forward? Sometimes we find we're doing exactly what Richard Raw talks about. We're just so ingrained in a system that we basically just carry on with rituals because it's just become who I am. But man, are we missing the encounter with the divine because we're just so used to the surroundings, the decor and the furniture? And that is the challenge. But the fear that goes, let's just not change, let's stay comfortable. That's like us saving up the manner. That's like us saving, well, I don't need, I don't need a fresh encounter with God. But actually, what does life look like if we get it? What does life look like if we have those fresh encounters with God and it begins to, to shape us and change? Because the stupid thing is, when we've met with God, when we've had an encounter with the divine... There's something different in us. There's something that changes in us. And 
you can't beat that kind of experience. So the, the question is, why wouldn't we try and pursue that on a regular basis? So there's a challenge for each of us. Rather than trying to keep surviving on one day's worth of manna and making it last as long as possible, we've got to be people who pursue a healthy connection with God that begins to inspire us, change us, shape us, develop us, all of these kind of things that ultimately will lead to a complete transformation of our inner story. So we can connect with God in a variety of ways every day. And that's how we develop and change our inner story. And what we're going to start in the living room looking at from next week are some of the things that we can do that will enable us to connect with God, to connect with the divine on a regular basis. It's not about demanding kind of these are the regulations of what we all agree to. It's about finding ways that really work and resonate with each and every person. It'll be different for each person. So the challenge is there for each of us. Hopefully, even though a lot of you are only visiting, hopefully it will make sense to your life moving forward. And the bit I love is that God is, is ready willing and able and keen to pursue a connection with us. So why don't we just do something that enables us to tap in, fight against mediocrity or the temptation just to be comfortable and push towards a connection with him because it will truly change our lives. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. That you are the kind of father who is uh, desperate for a relationship. God, I pray that you would challenge anything in us that gets complacent or takes for granted the fact that you're there. Just pray we'd be people who have a healthy hunger and desire to pursue you. And that each and every one of us would be strengthened and inspired in our life. And that would be people who um, really do chase after you. And that um, our inner stories would be transformed by that pursuit. So just inspire us, God. Amen. Amen. Cool.